Hello, Philip here from Trial by Stone. Um, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to let you know that uh, this episode, um, of course, we'd be discussing about episode 8 of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, but we also do um, we do, we do get a bit off topic at times, so we do talk about a couple little things. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that you know we do talk spoilers, of course, with the J.M. Lee uh, young adult novels, but also um, uh, with Star Wars The Mandalorian. Uh, just wanted to give you a heads up in case if you don't like to be spoiled about things you haven't seen. Enjoy the show. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. You are listening to... Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. This is the Dark Crystal Podcast. I'm your host, Philip. And I'm Jamie. And I'm Ethan. And we're all here to talk about the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And as you probably know, every second week we've been doing these roundtable sort of discussion shows, talking about everything that happens, you know, within the episode of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. For those of you who are new, just want to let you know, of course, that there's going to be spoilers. I mean, the show's been out for a good couple of months, so we'll, we'll probably be talking about the show as a whole, but we will be, you know, sort of talking about each episode, like, as it is. I mean, there, there, there's a lot to cover, like, as I always say, you know, in every episode, there's so much that happens in these episodes, so, you know, we're going to break it all down and have some theories and speculations and and all that kind of stuff so i think we're gonna have a lot of fun as you know continue discussing about um age of resistance i i guess you know b- before we get started i mean have you both been anyways um ethan and jamie because i know you know it's been uh just just a couple of days ago you know you had your thanksgiving like how's um everything been going with yourselves during this time Freaking miserable, man. I've been fighting this cold for like two weeks. <laughs> I I can't breathe. I It's awful. I'm just... You sound really good. Oh, thank you. I, I keep muting the microphone to cough. Like, I'm a ninja. Other than fighting this cold, I, I'm doing great. Everybody's great. Everything's great. I had a good Thanksgiving, and that was pretty fun. Uh, how's Jamie doing? I'm okay. Uh, I let's see. My God, it's been so. My other podcast, the Shoulder Orion podcast, through a live event uh, two weeks ago. So I was in downtown Los Angeles for four days, and then a few days later, cool. yeah, and then three days later, I moved, and so I, I moved up, sort of up into the mountains, and I'm looking at my gorgeous view right now. So it's great. And then I went to my to the Chicago slash Indiana area for my grandmother's 90th birthday. And uh, then I came back and spent Thanksgiving all by myself, which was fine. Um, I worked. And yeah, so now I'm here and I'm broke, but I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, for myself, like, I mean, it's it's just been a pretty busy month in general. Um, just just with life and just, I mean, just really getting things ready, ready, ready for the end of the year. Um, as 
like I'll you know be going be going away you know on on, on holiday have a bit of a break for um around uh, the Christmas time so it's really just planning everything for that but yeah it, it, but it's 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 been good to sort of get us all back um because i mean we, we do record these episodes um in advance so um so for us to sort of yeah get back together and keep talking dark crystal it's it's always fun times indeed i'm happy to be back i'm excited to uh talk about it uh, of course i can't i haven't been watching the show as much as i was but i can't stop thinking about it that's for sure i can't stop thinking about it um like i it's affected age of resistance has really affected um how i frame the original film and it's so heavy like with the original film i don't know if we talked about this before i don't know about you guys but with the original film i could throw that film on and have it playing in the background every day all day no big deal i could watch it every day it's not it's it's sort of heavy but it's not that heavy it's not that dark whereas age of resistance is so dark and heavy and so full of so many things it's not something that i can put on in the background it, it demands my attention and oh, yeah. uh it's emotionally really tough to get through in a good way yeah yeah absolutely i mean i mean it is a kind of show like i mean especially these days with sort of that second screen experience that you know that, that people you know watching at home sometimes they'll maybe be like oh checking their phone or you know doing a bit of multitasking you know with this other screens or devices while watching you know you know the, the show you know a show a tv show for example but you can't really do that with this show with major resistance you gotta give it your focus and your attention because yeah so much so much happens it's it's pretty incredible so i mean and also i mean before we get into um discussing about episode eight I mean, we, we might as well, you know, talk about, I mean, we, we've still been waiting to hear for news about whether a season two is going to happen or not. Things are still up in the air, it just seems at the moment. I sort of had some theories about if we did hear any announcements and my only my only uh, theories that I could think of that if we did get any announcements would be either sometime in December close to sort of the anniversary of the original film either that or, or possibly in january um during like the netflix's next quarterly results um for the fourth quarter of 2019 which will be in january 2020 because i know i know that was a big thing last time i think back in episode five i think when we we're discussing about this that we really thought that we we're going to hear a lot of news about the show from the third quarterly results but, you know, they didn't announce any numbers or any of that sort of stuff. And the more I thought about it, I thought maybe that was because they wanted to give more, you know, focus and attention to net, uh, to Stranger Things, which, I mean, that show's been doing extremely well. And being the show had come out, you know, during that third quarter as well. So I'm not too sure whether that, that was sort of another reason that we didn't hear the numbers. So th that's why I'm just hoping that maybe January... I feel like January at the latest that we might hopefully hear, you know, the future of the show. I don't know what your thoughts, um, Jamie and Ethan. Half of me is, uh, you know, a little sweaty and wor worried. Uh, the other half is like, you know, there's still some time. Um, you know, like, you know, Umbrella Academy was renewed, uh, what, a month? Like 45 days after its premiere. But there's other shows that I used to know that that do not come to mind right now that were renewed about 110, 120 days after their premiere. So 
right now we're about 95 days after AOR has premiered. So we're still, I mean, it's been a hot minute, but I don't think, I, I still think we just need to keep watching it. And uh, a little patience is, well, we'll go a long way. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hear something soon, I, I think. Um, you know, like there's, there is a little bit of sweat on my brow. I'm like, come on, give me something. But I, I'm not really panicking yet. You know, if we get into, you know, four months, five months, six months later and still nothing, that's going to be a little weird. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to be patient and try not to think about it. Uh, I, I'm sure Netflix is probably, you know, with Disney plus, I wonder if they're just, you know, shifting some gears around i don't know you know what i mean like eh, sh- should we you know what, what shift this over here do that you know what what kind of shows are we uh do we want to focus on and i feel like dark crystal age of resistance is something uh you know like disney plus and hulu or you know everything else they don't have anything comparable to aor in my opinion i mean it to me it, it would be a great investment in my but then again, I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know. I, I, they do. We don't. And so I guess it's, you know, it's in their hands. I really hope they renew it. But, you know, we'll just be patient and we'll find out soon. I really think we'll find out in just, you know, next couple weeks. I would agree. Uh, I think that I actually think that they probably will announce season two on December 17th. And I think what they're doing is it's going to be lo- kind of like a Christmas gift. I do think that they're going to renew the show. I also, I don't, I think this season two, it will end for sure. I do not think it will go past a season two. Um, I think it's uh, a very limited series just because of the cost and the people involved and all sorts of things. But I also think and fully believe that Netflix understands that they have a piece of art in their hands. It's not going to be like Stranger Things. It's more like artwork that's been lauded by critics and fans alike. That is a rare gift. So I believe that Netflix is in this to finish the story, and I think they're going to announce it on December 17th. Yeah, I mean, I really hope so too. I mean, because that's the thing. Age of Resistance is unlike any other show. It is so unique, and um, it's just so incredible just just the work that's you know to do 10 episodes of you know full-on puppetry is just pretty incredible stuff what what they were able to accomplish with the show that's the thing like it, it would be such a shame if if it didn't get renewed and you know we we didn't get the full story you know didn't didn't get wrapped up that sort of thing because i mean the dark crystal it is a very i mean it's been awesome that we've been getting a lot of you know other mediums like with the comics uh, which is cool actually because we're actually getting at least you know these dark crystal comics every every month and then we got some you know we had some books uh that came out during november as well which we'll definitely talk about you know in future episodes of the of the podcast so i mean it's been good that at least um the age of resistance is still out there, you know, that, you know, even people from people watching it or people discovering it, you know, in these different mediums that then discovered the show. So, I mean, that, that's been really cool. But like, you know, with this story, I think, yeah, I think it has to be, you know, told, you know, in this, you know, visual medium. So, I, I, yeah, again, I really hope that Netflix, they give Hen- the Jim Henson company, you know, here you go, you know, give them season two and um, be able to wrap up the story 
and even if we have to wait till you know, 2022 to get the story but i mean they could do it in a way that they can really pitch as like well this is 40 years in the making you know sort of you know just getting to know the story 40 years in the making how it all happens yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely certain hopefully that uh we'll, we'll get hopefully get that season two but yeah as of now we just haven't heard anything but yeah i mean i'm you're definitely hoping december december or january i would think yeah 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 we will i really agree with you jamie i i never even thought about it but uh it was on december 17th a year ago that we got the first pictures of ram brea and deet so netflix does have a precedence for really you know doing something for dark crystal's birthday so i really i didn't even think of that i i dig that so yeah keep an eye out on for netflix saying something uh on december 17th i i mean we don't know for sure but like i said there's a precedence for it so that'll be really fun and it if they renew it, we're going to hear about it on December 17th. If they don't, we're not going to hear a word on December 17th. That's my, um, or maybe they'll just say it's Dark Crystal's birthday. Watch age of resistance, something like that. Some type of promotional, whatever. Oh God, um, you're right. <laughs> but I also think that, uh, there's a couple of interesting things happening right now in the streaming world, uh, as it relates to puppetry. And of course the elephant in the room or the baby in the room, the baby elephant is, baby Yoda in the Mandalorian. And what's really cool about that is the puppet in the Mandalorian is a puppet. It is not digital. It is not CGI. It is all puppet. And the show is being really well received. It is taken over as a number one streaming show. It's taken over stranger things. It's getting, it's getting really great reviews and it's again, bringing puppetry to the forefront. And of course there's a, um, uh, an article about uh, what's the, the that actor's name? The he's Finnish. Oh, Werner Herzog. Yeah, Werner Herzog. He go he goes he is on the record saying I called them cowards for wanting to go CGI with Baby Yoda as opposed to actually no use this puppet. It's amazing, and they use the puppet, and so a lot of people are talking about puppetry, and it's sort of all coming back, and I think it's. Netflix is a little responsible for that right now. So I think for the sake of integrity, all they can do is win. Even if they didn't get the viewership, all they can do is win. Because if you think about The Dark Crystal, how did it come be successful in years after the original release? Home video sales, word of mouth, cult following. And I think Age of Resistance will follow right in suit with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, especially like, you know, with puppets really coming back in a huge way. And uh, yeah, I mean, Dark Crystal sort of, you know, spearheaded the way. And, you know, now now that there's going to be, you know, quite a few things, I mean, implementing more of that puppetry. And I mean, you know, we sort of had that, you know, in, in The Last Jedi as well. But yeah, it's really cool. I think we're just sort of getting back to people, you know, we want to, you know, see these characters for real. You know, we don't want to see, you know, characters as CGI, um, or, you know, only you using them in the rare instances where it's like it's they have to use it or, that you know, there isn't a way that they can um, make some things, you know, practical to that effect. Yeah. So I think we've definitely got a lot to look forward to. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, overall would definitely hopefully stay tuned to December. And I mean, Dark Crystal social media, um, they're always posting something every day on a daily basis. Um, so which is really cool to see that all happening as well. 
we, we might as well talk about this episode. We're up to episode eight. And I think the episode is called Prophets Don't Know Everything. This was sort of like a very kind of fun show. I mean, you know, with, um, I mean, especially at the start, we had Augur and Celadon are sort of conversing and Celadon's really going to go to the Castle of the Crystal and, you know, really believing in her cause and Celadon, you know, and Olga's like, no, no, you know, don't listen to the Skeksis or all that kind of stuff. And, um, I actually liked, uh, yeah, you know, pretty much the whole episode where Olga just pretty much stuck in stone in the wood the whole time. And pretty much her eye was sort of traveled along with Celadon, you know, going to the Castle of the Crystal and just following along with all, with, um, with Celadon the whole time. Um, I thought that was kind of a, uh, a neat little thing you know especially with her eye yeah there's something uh, you know i i'm overthinking it but you know auger throws the eye into Celadon's bag and follows her and you know my my stupid brain's like okay so i understand that auger can see everything that's going on but how can she hear okay how can she hear that's what i want to know she can't hear through the eye you know, she needs to throw an ear in that bag too. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless but Augur is magical, though. I mean, she's not just flesh and blood; she's spirit. So it's my a leap you can make. Says she's reading lips. She's reading lips. <laughs> or either that, or her eyes have like built-in subtitles, or that can transcribe, you know, everything that's being said. So you know, she just sees those subtitles like on, on her bottom. <laughs> I buy that. I have to- like she's watching her own um. Dark I have crystal to watch show. shows with subtitles. <laughs> I don't know why, so I buy that. I can see that. that. That is the thing. I actually do watch, like, I mean, probably on second viewings, I do watch um, shows, like, with subtitles just to just, just to get some, not sort of clarification, but just more, like, if there's any dialogue that was missing. Because, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue in this show in particular, so there's always a couple lines that's like, oh, could you easily miss by, that sort of thing. And, I mean, like, one of the examples, like, even with... um dialogue i was just just thinking about it especially in this episode with uh, skek tech like i i really just love his vocabulary in the show i mean i like you know for example you know so many words that he says are so unique like i mean you got your um ambrosial or lackadaisy <laughs> like so many of these other words i'm trying to pronounce but i'm doing a pretty horrible job lackadaisical lumps splendiferous rejuvenation uh, male content <laughs> that I definitely think like the writers, they, they must have a lot of fun. I mean, you know, writing dialogue, but also, I mean, with, with Skek Tech, um, especially with his, um, uh, vocabulary for certain. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, the dark original dark crystal was so limited because the dialogue was written to match the puppets, uh, movements and you could really tell that, you know, now that the shackles were off, they were really trying to uh, expand the vocabulary of all the Skeksis, not just Skek Tech. And I, I adore that. I, you know, it is so much fun to just to hear everything that everybody says. You know, it's not just Skek Tech that has just the most ridiculous words. You know, they, everybody's got a thesaurus in their back pocket in this show, and it's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, they could easily just make a book of, like, here's the Dark Crystal Dictionary of all these, like, unique words. And <laughs> it's almost like, you know, I was learning, you know, a couple of words a day just to, just by the, di- with the dialogue with the Skeksis in particular, 
which has been, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, which is really, really cool. And I guess, you know, one thing as well, Jamie, I mean, your favorite character, Hup, of course, I guess, you know, because his story almost sort of essentially ended in episode eight in a way, because, you know, when he got injured from the hunter from episode seven and he sort of, he pretty much stays at the, um, the circle of the suns for the, you know, the next remaining episodes. Uh, of course, I know he appears in episodes nine and 10 and I just, just thought, you know, at the time watching the show where you sort of bummed about, oh, you know, we're not going to get Hup continuing the, the journey w- with Deet and Rian and sort of eventually, you know, being part of that stone in the wood um, sort of battle. No, I didn't uh, miss him uh, just because I felt like it, it was appropriate. I mean, he, you know, he got hurt, you know, he's recovering, but really uh, episode eight is all about Celadon and really the, the show after episode seven, it really like ups the ante. Like when episode eight is happening, we're pushed into high drama. And of course you have the whole discussion between Celadon and Agra and stone in the wood. And it's really engrossing. And you're really taken by this Gelfling who is unable or slash probably unwilling to see what everyone else sees and can attest to. And she's so, into her viewpoint, her point of view, that she's sort of become a version of the Skeksis. And she thinks she can go and talk them into saving Gelfling or setting some free uh, against the advice of everyone, including Agra, because she has, you know, she meets Agra in Stone in the Wood and she essentially puts her down and calls her her an old witch or something like that. Um, it's very, very engrossing. And the story is really taking like the darkest of darkest turns you have, you know, people in prison at the castle. Um, and the world feels like it's going to be ending soon. It just feels very dire for everyone involved, at least as it relates to stone in the wood and, uh, the caves of grot and all of our main characters and where they're from. So having to deal with all that, I don't really think, Oh, I miss Hup because I feel like this is where the stories, because we're always jumping back and forth between, storylines even though everyone's a part of the same story so i'm i'm pretty engrossed in where we're at at that point and then by the time i mean hup doesn't really make an appearance again um i mean he does sort of but not really like i know he's trying to wake up irva um so he's in it for a little bit but he at that point in time has served his purpose um he accompanied them to the what is it the the circles of the seven suns is that what it's called circle of the seven suns circle of the suns circle of the suns okay um and yeah so it's it's very interesting but also about episode eight which i find fascinating is the pov we enter the castle in a way we have never seen the castle before even though we've been in the castle essentially since the beginning of the of the show we're entering the castle as augur's eye so it's lower to the ground everything seems huge Everything seems more wondrous. Just the POV of Augur's eye and the little, the little Arathim baby that's holding it. It's really cute. It's funny, um, and it's they're cutting back and forth between a little bit of comedy between this thing trying to keep Augur's eye and it's like holder and the horrible, terrifying ordeal that Celadon's going through or about to go through. So I find it really, really engrossing. I mean, yeah, I mean, because I'm like, it's it's weird because the more I'm watching the show, it's like I'm I'm loving Celadon so much more. Just the sort of the um, 
the the conflict that she has you know not so much the conflict but just you know especially when she meets uh, the um the skexies and she's willing to do lots of things you know for them you know it's like oh you know it could sacrifice some gelflings or all that kind of stuff and and then of course you know with skexo you know every time you know he's he's just saying no to her and and then they sort of reveal about you know that they've been draining essence and she's just been just you know once she sort of hears about it and you know it's it's just really shocking and i mean especially that scene where um they're all sort of you know surrounding her you know taking off sort of her facade i guess you know that the the dark sort of so you know that skexy sort of dress that you know with, with the crown that was sort of shaped as the cast of the crystal that was like really shocking and I mean, I remember like watching the episode and I was really concerned about, you know, are they actually going to, you know, go, you know, even further? Like, I mean, especially like with the original film with Skeksil that with his banishment, they just took all his clothes out. And I was like really sort of (laughs) fearing about something like that was going to happen to Celadon. But luckily, I mean, it only just got to, you know, that she, um, they just ripped off just her uh, Skeksy sort of her dress, that sort of thing. So... But yeah, I mean, that was a moment where I was like, I was really fearing for her. Yeah. I really thought in that scene, they were going to murder her. Like all of them were going to be stabbing her with daggers. That was my fear. I wasn't thinking they were going to tear her clothes off. I just was like, this is going to be bloody. And it wasn't. I mean, they stayed away from it. Also, it's sort of child friendly to some degree. Um, But uh, but I mean, even still how they treated her and the, the movement of the camera of them around her. It was terrifying. I really thought they were going to strip her too. Um, you know, as a nod to the original, but I'm really glad they didn't because, you know, that's that's what your brain does is you're always trying to connect to that original film and that would have been uh, a bad idea if they did that because, you know, that's the trap. You know, we've talked about it ad nauseum, like that trap of uh, when you're doing a prequel or a sequel of constantly, you know, doing some scene that rhymes with something from the original and when every scene's like that you know it's it's uh it's an eye roller you know and yeah like you don't want to push it too far yeah absolutely yeah i mean i mean we sort of had that actually a little bit um especially with um skektek and olgra um which i think well, i'll definitely say that for episode nine but that was another example that i think we sort of had that um, little moment between them two, and I think Skeptic says, you know, another world, another time. Um, there was sort of a bit of a homage to <laughs> to the opening words um, I like of the that, original though. film. I, yeah, yeah. I don't think that uh, that was tasteful to me. Uh, I it surprised me, but I, you know, I think AOR really is very tasteful with its homages. You know, it really could have, and I know we've discussed this before, it really could have gone overboard because it's just an easy trap. You know, it, it's lazy writing when you just, oh, it'd just be easy just to, you know, hold every scene up with a little bit of nostalgia, you know. But it does not, I I, I bet at the first viewing it's fun, but it, it really um, puts a nasty taste to your mouth uh in the future you know it's like oh come on you know and that's what i love about aor is you know they really you know they they're very tasteful with the nostalgia 
it's really just sprinkle in here and there just to give it a little bit more flavor. But everything feels so original and uh, new, and uh, I dig it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like the the I don't know, like there's there hasn't been a moment where I'm just like, oh, you know, I do not like this at all. Yeah, you know, the the things that you know, like you know, that wasn't pretty much you know wasn't a huge fan of. I mean, which sort of in this episode we sort of got the story sort of wrapped up, you know, with the Arathum and the ascendancy, you know, originally, you know, they, they were attacking the, the caves of Grot trying to reclaim their home, which, which sort of ends up, you know, which was pretty much a trap for them essentially because of the darkening that's been spreading throughout the caves. So it was sort of like a win-win for the Skeksis at the time. But once the Arathum sort of find out about the truth that they decide, okay, you know, Galfling, yeah, I guess you, you know, you're right. And we'll definitely, join your side to um take over you know to to try and defeat the skexies which i thought was you know yeah which i sort of you know with that sort of story thread i'm sort of like (laughs) thread you know threaders um (laughs) um that that it was cool that you know the way the story you know sort of wrapped up um but you know overall but there wasn't anything that i'm like oh you know i do not like this at all like um everything was just done so good and just it was just yeah, just un- unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. To that point that you're making, Phil, and you you're touching on too, Ethan. It's something that I've really been thinking about a lot in terms of how original Age of Resistance is. How, like you said, Ethan, it does not rely on nostalgia to prop up the story. It relies on the story to prop up the story. There there are hints and flourishes, and maybe some sentences here and there or like okay we go into the podling village and it's familiar but it's familiar but that's all it is there's something completely different different happening in that space at the moment and i've been thinking about age of resistance quite a bit just you know you said one thing ethan about you know you can watch something that's sort of bathed in nostalgia and the first time you're like oh wow this is great and then the second time you're like i don't know and i I was thinking about that as it relates to the force awakens and how i saw that film like four times in the theater and then i recently saw it again um about a month ago and i was like i'm bored to death there's nothing that new in this story and that's a shame and it really it goes back to the writers of age of resistance these people knew what they were doing and it was a risk that they were taking. And I think to tell an original story is essentially taking a risk. And we live in a time where everyone is pivoting to nostalgia. I mean, we just saw that that E.T. sequel-esque advertising. It's like a four-minute short film starring Henry, um, Henry Thomas, who was Elliot in the original with an animatronic E.T. It was very, very lovely. But it was all propped up by nostalgia, and and we're seeing things we've seen before. And again, Age of Resistance does not do this. They do not do this. There might be some similar, vaguely similar mirroring or dynamics in terms of the way characters might be getting along or the journey that they're on, but it's just like a vague mirroring. It's just vague enough to feel familiar, but not feel like we've seen it again. And because Star Wars is in the in public consciousness right now in terms of The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, we're about to see the, the rise of Skywalker. And as I've... Actually, I just watched The Last Jedi again recently, and I noticed so much how The Last Jedi uh, is couched in 
the visuals and the storytelling of the of Empire Strikes Back, beat for beat in some ways. And it's still I enjoyed it more. And I know obviously I'm not here to talk about Star Wars. I'm trying to relate this back to Age of Resistance that I have never felt that way with Age of Resistance. And I think about because we're talking about episode eight, like with Celadon's return to to the castle and her her discussion with Agra. Nothing. It's it's not. There's so much world building. There's so much new. There's so much archi- architecture in terms of story that's happening in every episode. It's just, and I don't mean to say this like to like make people feel good, but it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. I, I it's just a uh, even the stuff that I I'm sort of like ah eh, I'm I'm not too sure of like the. The Arathim, like uh, we are, what is it? What do they say? We are the ascendancy. We are, we are descendancy. And I have some problems with that. It feels like Star Trek. But aside from that, I mean, uh, even still, I can say that and also say this show is a masterpiece. It is note perfect. And I can't say that much about a lot of things that even parts of Stranger Things feels like nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia. Age of Resistance does not commit that crime ever. No, it's yeah, it's just so unique. I mean, I think probably the benefit that this show really had is, I mean, they've been working on the show for years and years, you know, in various forms and stuff. So I think they had a lot, a lot of time of development to really just get the show right. Um, and it's just, again, just it's just another, you know, get all these incredible moments. I mean, especially, I mean, one of your favorite um, scenes from the original film was when um, uh, Kira... And Jen, when they, when, you know, when Kira flies or, you know, glides, you know, down, down the chasm, you know, with Jen and with Fizzgig, um, you know, with, with her wings, sort of that, that big reveal. And we sort of, I mean, there was a, you know, sort of got a little bit of that moment, that familiarity, that nostalgic, but it isn't like, oh, you know, it's just the same old thing, you know, with, um, uh, with Deet, um, as, uh, you know, she's actually, you know, holding on to, to Rian and they're flying through the breath of Thra to get to the Caves of Grot. And um, again, like, I mean, that was just such a a fantastic moment, like within the show, you know, <laughs> I love she says, you know, try not to scream, it scares the holobats and, and, and just having her wings open. And I mean, being able to see Gelfling fly, because I mean, in the original film, I mean, with Dark Crystal, I mean, for, for Kira, like, you know, it was only, you know, to extent of gliding, uh, but seeing them really fly and just, um, it's just really magical. I just wanted to uh, say this a minute ago. I'm sorry. I, I, I know we're not here to talk Star Wars, but um, I wanted to say, uh, and I, I mean this in all seriousness, uh, I, and I love to see comments like in the group or on the, the trial by stone page, what other people think of this idea. But uh like serious talk, if uh, Jeff Addis, Will Matthews, and uh, Javier uh, Grigio Markswatch uh, got together and wrote a Star Wars film, and Louis Leterrier uh, uh, directed it, I really think uh, you'd get magic happening. Uh, especially those three writers, I think they working together makes uh, magic happen, you know? Um, you know, the whole writer's room was amazing, but... You know, the first viewing of all 10 episodes of AOR, I, I immediately thought, what if these people touched Star Wars? You know, they would be absolutely incredible. And, you know, Star Wars and Dark Crystal, they're cousins uh, or, or siblings in a, in a way to me. You know, Yoda 
and uh, his origins uh, through Jim Henson and all that. Um, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out. I want to hear what other people think of that because I think that they could really uh, make a really cool original story. You know, like we talked, I I think they could make something that feels like uh, Star Wars without falling into that nostalgia trap. And I kind of feel like Star Wars has been doing that a lot, but I'll leave well, that alone. Oh, go ahead. But you make a really good point, Ethan. Um, I just want to mention a, a quote from Kathleen Kennedy, and I, I we're talking about it, so whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy went on record recently in an interview for Variety or for Rolling Stone or someone, and she's talking about how difficult it has been to tell these stories because they don't have all the source material and blah, 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 which in fact they have books and books and books and books and comic after comic after. I mean, they have Star Wars has so much source material, you could probably fill 10 rooms with how much source material or, or, or other legends or mythology. And I relate this back to Jeff and Will and Javier and Louie and Lisa Henson and Hallie Stanford. Um, Dark Crystal also has source material and they've been releasing the mangas and the comics. And of course we have the world of the Dark Crystal, the book that came out in the eighties, which was then republished. There's so much there, not tons, but enough. And what did they do? Those writers went to that material and said, what can we find from here? How do we build this world? And they built a world. They created a world. So it can be done. You can tell original stories. You just have to know what you're doing. And those guys and girls, ladies, know what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, But yeah, I mean, I definitely would love to see, uh, like, I'd love to know what... um, yeah, like Will and Jeff and, and Javier and Louie and, you know, everyone. I'd love to know what they'll do next. And, I mean, even I was thinking about that probably a couple of days ago. I'm like, oh, I think Louie could – I would love for him to direct a Star Wars movie. Like, it would be so cool. And especially – yeah, especially with Jeff and Will. Like, I mean, what they were able to, to develop with this show, um, sort of really, I mean, enhancing the world of Thra. I mean, like you said, with all these different materials that they had. I mean, especially with – um because this was originally developed as an animated series. So they had sort of developments from that. And also through um, Joe's books, you know, to, to an extent um, that they were like, well, you know, we've got this material, you know, based on this sort of prequel uh, before the events of the, sh- of the, of the film, the dark crystal. And it's like, well, how do we push it even more? Um, and yeah, I mean, that's certainly what they did. They really, you know, uh, ramped it up to 11. Yeah. And these, it's not like this was their first idea. This, it's not like these, you know, super fans came together and like this is our passion project. This is the, the you know, it, they originally approached Henson, uh, Addison Matthews did, to talk about Labyrinth, and they said, oh, we're actually doing Dark Crystal, so switch gears real fast, and they did. And I mean, they all did such an amazing job, and I just think. You know, if if someone threw a Star Wars project at them, I, I'm sure they could cobble together some gold there, too. You know, uh, I, I really think, you know, uh, as far as I know, you know, the, these writers really came out of nowhere, but they're very talented. They're very um, I, I think they're going to do some great things even after AOR. Um, and, you know, like we said, uh, Louis would 
do really good in Star Wars. I Louis is going to go gr- to great places too. I'm sure of it. Uh, what, what am I talking about? He's done great things, but he's going to continue on that great path. Yeah, I mean, you he's created a, a show that is not just using the name of Jim Henson. It's worthy of the name Jim Henson. How who can who else is going to be able to accomplish that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to see, you know, George Lucas's Star Wars. <laughs> it would be interesting to find out if what Frank Oz feels about the series. Um, yeah, he hasn't. I don't know if he's talked about it or if he's seen it. I mean, it's fodder for another episode, but eventually we can talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't heard anything, but yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be some, something I'd definitely be interested in knowing, like what he thought of the show. Because I um, haven't, haven't heard anything from him or based on his tweets, um, that sort of thing. So... Yeah, yeah, definitely something for down the track. Um, and so I guess, you know, we, we probably need to talk about, you know, one of the big moments from episode eight, which was, um, I mean, so many moments, of course, but I mean, especially towards the end of episode eight, where um, the tree, the sanctuary tree, you know, is slowly dying with with the darkening and you're seeing the Nurlocks are sort of chomping at the tree the bits uh, with the Nurlocks being affected by the darkening as well. And it's just becoming too much for the tree. And Deets, you know, as always, she wants to figure out, you know, what, what can I do? What can I do to help? And it gets to the point where, um, that the tree decides to, you know, give her like sort of the abilities, but also sort of essentially like transferring the darkening, um, to date and as well as, you know, seeing all these, uh, visions, uh, for, you know, these visions potentially of the future. I mean, I think it's interesting that we sort of got a little bit of this in the first episode and pretty much all the visions came to be true. So it's sort of at a point where I think, you know, are, are these visions are going to be something that we might potentially see in, in a season two of the show. Just wanted to know your thoughts about that, Ethan. Yeah. Yeah, this vision has stumped me. You know, I, you know, we see Deet sitting on the Emperor's throne. We see Deet, uh, Rianne, um healing the crystal. Well, not healing the crystal, but putting a shard into the, the, the wound of the crystal. Um, and then, you know, Brea running through a forest being chased by a Gartham. And if anything... It's Brian and the baby that really makes any sort of sense. Like, oh, okay, that's most likely, you know, implying that that's Kira's mom, and that's the moment we saw in the film. But everything else just blows my mind. I'm like, okay, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I do not understand what's happened to Deet. You know, she's got these new abilities. You know, and she's changed now but what is she you know and uh, are these visions of the future are they all destined to to come true i feel like the the deet in the on the throne is more symbolic you know i i mean what what else could that be like her sitting on the throne i guess maybe to maybe taunt the skexies i don't know what do you what do you guys think i don't know um i mean like for me i i was more thinking about with um with Rian, you know, putting the shard into the place. And what could that mean? You know, if, 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 if it was successful, but didn't work out or, 
like there's many theories behind it whether you know whether it's a different timeline which i don't think um i'm not a you know i don't think about you know oh it could be from a different timeline or a different alternate sort of take of where rian saves the day or saves the world essentially and i mean like with rian i mean there's there's a, there's a couple of options that could happen it's either well one you know that's the real shard and he saves the world option two could be um that it's the wrong shard that it just doesn't fit at all or the third option which i'm thinking could be the case is whether um that is the real shard but it's just the wrong time it's just you know like he, he you know that is the shard but it's just but it's just the wrong time they you, you can't do this right now that you got to wait for the for the three suns to appear or that sort of thing so yeah there's a lot of sort of thoughts yeah yeah i'm in that yeah 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 because i mean because i know like there's always been like all these you know um in creation myths um about like you know with all grown ronip like they were collecting shards um for you know many trine that sort of thing and somehow um you know the, the shard got into the the jewel glaive um that was implemented you know through you know skekra and whatnot um so yeah i mean that's the thing is whether skek you know whether that that shard that um brea holds you know if that is the real true shard which it certainly looks like it um so yeah there's just a lot of thoughts about all these different outcomes that can potentially happen in these visions i think with deet what's interesting about her is she is essentially the the ring of power incarnate she is somewhat like augra where she is a part of thra so but she's she's both hosting the light in the dark whereas i think with augra augra doesn't have that struggle augra is light augra has been misled because she's allowed herself to be but deet is has agreed unfortunately and fortunately to hold this incredible power that comes with an incredible price and i I even have this idea that perhaps she scares the skeksis out of the castle that's why she's on the throne where deet almost becomes there's that scene in um uh, the Fellowship of the Rings, where Galadriel says, instead of a dark lord, you shall have a queen, beautiful and treacherous as the dawn. And I think I see that happening with Deet, where she becomes this, she's lo- lost herself and she's consumed by p- this power that's overwhelming to her. And perhaps the, the Skeksis get afraid and they take off from the castle while trying to defi- figure out how to take back over. I mean, that's where the story could go, where Deet is, Deet becomes becomes the darkening and it terrifies them because they don't have control over it. Um, and yeah, that's just a possible way that it could go. Cause she is, she's sitting on the throne. And I think of all of everything that we saw with Rianne putting the shard in, into the crystal, and it seems like it's not really working or it's not the right time. That's very interesting, but I'm far more interested as to what happens to Deet and if the darkening takes her or it just allows her to live um, and what kind of light that's going to be. I mean, she's scary and I think she's scared of herself, which is why at the end of the show, which we'll talk about when we talk about episode 10, you see her wandering off alone. I mean, she's, I think she's terrified of herself and she's terrified of scaring other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I did actually have had a theory about, um, 
you know, what might potentially happen with Deed. Because, I mean, I mean, the thing with um, the Sanctuary Tree, they, he definitely states that the Darkening can only be transferred. Um, so I, I sort of have a feeling whether what might happen is whether she ends up transferring the Darkening to Olgra. And I was thinking about this, that because, I mean, Olgra is sort of the all-powerful being of Thra, whether she would be able to contain the darkening within herself, but also explains the sort of like why Olgra acts the way she does during the Dark Crystal. I mean, especially like when she sees Jennifer the first time, it's like, oh, you know, um, like she was, she was like, oh, you know, smells like Gelfling, you know, maybe you are Gelfling, like just her mind's a bit confused or, or like she, um, you know, or, or like, you know, in Dark Crystal, I mean, she wasn't like to Jen, oh, you know, this is the shard. Here's the shard, you know, it, it took Jen quite a bit of time to sort of, bro- to decide which, which of the three shards that he picked, um, was the right one. Um, and I, I, and I felt like her, her mind was a bit, you know, a bit muddled up at times, I think during, you know, after, uh, whatever happens, you know, after the events of age resistance to, what came you know what she was like yeah in in the dark crystal and that at the end of the dark crystal you know once the two became one um that you know the, the podling slaves i mean they sort of got healed up but so too so too did olgra um and that was just i don't know i just thought that might be something that i don't know whether that might be a scenario where deet somehow survives but she ends up transferring it to olgra um who knows yeah yeah I thought about that too, and I I really dig that. But I I thought about it, and I really I think that you know hypothetically, if that did happen in season two, I feel like that could easily feel like a rehash of season one. Because in season one, Agra does almost a Jesus Christ kind of sacrifice, like she sacrifices her life and is literally resurrected in a flash of light. And, you know, if she took on, you know, all of Deet's darkness in season two, you know, corrupting her mind, maybe, I just feel like, you know, as cool as that is, you know, it, it would explain things in the movie. Um, it would just feel too, it, to me, I, I bet you could do it well, but to me, it would just think... If I were writing this, I, I would probably tell the rest of the writers room like, but doesn't that feel like season one though? Like in a bad way? Does does that make sense? Yeah. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you know, I'm or just like, yeah. It's just gonna be interesting whether she she's gonna ultimately sacrifice herself because you know with with the darkening, or whether she's going to transfer it. Because I really to someone don't else. get me wrong. Yeah, I really yeah. love that idea. I just. I just feel like now in season two, Agra can only uh, do so much because she already did like the ultimate sacrifice in season one. So now she, in my opinion, in season two, she has to really step back. She can't be Jesus Christ again. You know what I mean? If yeah, anything, yeah. Now it's up. Yeah. If anything, it, w- it would make sense if there is a transfer of the darkening where Agra is like. She's not sacrificing herself. She's saying, this is too much for you. I can hold this. Give it to me. 
but she knows that it's going to come at a cost. And maybe that cost is her mind, the soundness of her mind. Um, but again, it does. But then at the same time, like you're saying, Ethan, there she is sacrificing herself. And, and what is important for season two and the story is the rich mythology that's for them continuing to do new things, not retreading things that we've seen in their season one or the original film, because it's all building towards the original film. How is that? Where are we going to go? And I think perhaps Agra should take a step back in season two and not be a prominent as character. Who, who knows? I mean, she's so important to the, to the story, but I, I don't know. I think, I think eventually uh, the darkening will take Deet. I think she'll have no choice. Take Deet as in like Deet killer. Dead? Oh my yes. God. No, stop yeah. it. Uh, I'm hanging <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, here's my theory. Um, whether it happens or not, who knows? But I think that the shard is going to heal, heal Deet. You know, the, the what the hell uh sanctuary tree there we go uh the sanctuary tree says the darkening is an energy um that cannot be destroyed only transferred you know like we talked about and uh so i i think it was kind of set up and foreshadowed in season one ah man i'm jumping ahead but uh you know the the shard that's in the dual glaive and you know let's say it's the real true shard um it just like the crystal, um, it, it like when it stabs somebody, it almost draws their not almost, but it draws their essence into it. Um, we see it in episode is it ten? Uh, the general gets stabbed by the dual glaive, and his muddy little brown um, uh, essence gets drawn into it. And I think that that and hell maybe. That's what Rianne stabbing the crystal with a shard is uh, symbolic of. Maybe it's not the actual crystal. Maybe he stabs her with a shard and all of the darkening goes into the shard. And then she's healed. You know? She's not going to make it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I think... So in a season two, you know, we're going to have our Gartham Wars. The Gelfling's going to be fighting against these Gartham. Deet's going to have some sort of storyline going on. I don't know what they're planning with her. No idea whatsoever. But once that that arc is completed, yeah, she's either going to die at the end or she's going to get healed by the shard, in my opinion. Um Invent die. I don't know. Uh, but that—that's my. Well, that's what's looming over everybody right now is season two. Everyone keeps saying we all know how this is going to end. So that means red-haired paladin. I mean, wiped out. I mean, that's 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 the that's the coming storm. So everyone's going to have to strap themselves in now. Whether Deet or and Brea and other people or other Gelflings or. Hop and everyone else, whether they make it through that crisis and they're in hiding, that's a really great possibility. And they opened that up because of the Grunex, as we discussed before, and the idea that they thought they killed them, but they really didn't because they were in hiding. I think that that possibility is wide open for season two. So, you know, Rianne and Brea and Deet and others can, you know, not 
be killed. Um, but I also think that good storytelling, sometimes you gotta, sometimes a hero has to die. And I think, uh, one of them or more might die and has to, I think to make it worth it to make what Jen and Kira do worth it. Because if they all end up living at the end of season two, as it like, I, I just feel like, I don't know. It won't, the payoff of what Jen and Kira do won't be as, it won't be as, um, impactful if no one, if no one loses their life. And now maybe someone loses their life. And, um, when Jen, you know, and maybe they somehow in season two cut to post world healing, maybe somebody, some of them come to life right at the end. And I don't know. That's just speculation. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I definitely think that we, whether some live or some die, I think, you know, I think it's going to be a, a battle. And, um, I, I think we're, you know, it's going to be sad to see, you know, some of these golflings, like, you know, a, you know, a good majority of them, you know, being wiped out. It's, it's going to be shocking, really sad, but sort of, you know, to potentially have that bit of hope that whether they, they do, they do actually go into hiding. I mean, of course it sort of has to line up with things that happen in sort of in that dark crystal law that after the events of dark crystal that Jin and Kira, they, they find or they restore the Gelflings and whether that means, you know, finding the Gelflings that sort of been in hiding, um, and, um, you know, sort of bringing them back, um, again. So there's, there's a lot of possibilities that can happen, um, in the world of Thra and in the world of the dark crystal. So, um, we got so much to look forward to, and I think we'll have to wrap up for this episode of trial by stone. Again, I want to say thank you so much and, um, definitely stay tuned for a lot more episodes of trial by stone. Trial by stone, the dark crystal podcast is a production of three point edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.